Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Here comes Luca off the right side against O'Neal, who's got that big body to be able to try to go with him physically. Here's the foul by O'Neal, and Doncic hits the shot from the foul line. He tried to get physical with him, and it didn't work. Doncic on the fly up the right side, stepping back for three over Niang. There it is! Doncic feeling it, and the Mavericks are feeling it right now. An 18-point lead, 84-66. Back out Hardaway, straightaway three. Good! At the horn! And Luka will bring it up against O'Neal in the jump circle. Brunson the screen. He rejects it, crosses over, steps back for three. Hits it! Here's some of the highlights as the Dallas Mavericks beat the Jazz and end the Jazz nine-game win streak. 111-103, the final score. Mike Conley led the Jazz with 28 points, but PK lived by the three, died by the three, all that kind of stuff. Royce O'Neal 0 for 8, Donovan Mitchell 0 for 8, Jordan Clarkson 2 for 9. That's 2 for 25 from those three guys, and if those three guys are going to go 2 of 25 from the three-point line, then the Jazz are going to lose. Uh, maybe. I think it was more about the Mavericks hitting threes. I mean, they shot almost 50%. I thought it was them going in because if the other team is missing, well, then it's a wash. And the Mavs weren't missing. Uh, agreed. If they both shot 40%, then yes, the Jazz would have been in a much better place. But I thought they had open threes and missed them. And I thought they defended really well for a big stretch of the game. But eventually, you miss that many shots, it catches up to you. And I thought the end of the third quarter, it went from a winnable game, even though they were trailing, it was winnable, to it was over. Those last three minutes of the third quarter got away from them. Well, I think every time they made a three, Dallas made a three also. So I'm going to stick with Dallas making their threes. I think if teams shoot close to 50% from three, their winning percentage is probably through the roof. I don't know what the numbers are, nor am I going to do them. But I can know what I see, and that's what I saw. 50% 50% tends to be a winning number. Jazz head to Phoenix. Top two teams by record in the NBA playing tomorrow night, 8 o'clock on ESPN. Jazz off today. Play the Suns tomorrow. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Irving puts the shoulder down, fades for the three, and hits it! 40 points for Kyrie Irving, and that's the biggest shot of the game. It puts the Nets up by five with 59 seconds to go. Chris Paul brings it up on offense, finds Booker around a screen. He'll put up the three and knock it down straight away. D-Book with 32 on the night. Highlights from the NBA, the Suns, who will be hosting the Jazz tomorrow night. Hold on to beat the Houston Rockets 133-130. to that was a, uh, a close game, a tie game early in the fourth quarter. The Suns opened up a 10 or 12-point lead, and then Houston came roaring back at the end. And at the end, Phoenix made good use of that. Foul them intentionally. Don't let them shoot the three and tie the game deal. And they got through the final 30 seconds and won at 133-130. to Devin Booker with 36 points, and the Suns move within two and a half games of the Jazz. Two in the loss column. They've 
played one less game, and so they can make up a half game just by winning that game. But two back in the loss column. Did you work at Channel 2 last night? I did not. I did oh, not. man. You know a lot about this game. Well, Jazz are playing the Suns tomorrow. I thought I'd take a look. Had a little time during halftime of that NCAA title game and was checking other stuff going on in the NBA. Got my attention. Any of these other games catch your uh, catch your eye? And that's got 40 from Kyrie Irving. They beat the Knicks 114-112. One of the big nah, dogs really in the East. Wasn't into the NBA much at all yeah. last night. Uh, Kristaps Porzingis is out indefinitely. He didn't play against the Jazz. He's got a sprained wrist, but they say there's no timetable for bringing him back. And the Clippers signed free agent center DeMarcus Cousins on a 10-day deal. 10 days so he can do it. Or at least get another 10-day. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Patterson will put the brakes on and dribble this one out. And the Baylor Bears do indeed bear down to knock off the unbeaten Gonzaga Bulldogs and claim the school's first men's basketball championship and just the second men's basketball title in the history of the state of Texas. Baylor 86, Gonzaga 70 wired a wire winner for the Baylor Bears national champions in 2021. The Baylor Bears up nine to nothing, up 16 to four, up 21 to six. They jumped on him early, PK, and never let him get back within nine. Pretty much traded hoops the rest of the way, and they get the win 86 to 70. They finished with just two losses. The story all year had been Gonzaga unbeaten. They get their first loss. Baylor with just two defeats. They get the victory. And so now the debate can can begin. Gonzaga just didn't have their legs. You see how they took it out of them. Or Baylor was much better and destroyed them. They're the best. Well, Baylor won it. And so I'm not going to discredit what Baylor did. I don't know how you can say something. that, but That's Gonzaga, but that has nothing to do with Baylor. Baylor won the game and... They are the national champions, and yeah, they got out there and played well and really blitzed Gonzaga. And Gonzaga, you know, they've never been in that situation. How to react to something you've never been in. You're not sure how you react to something you really have never been in. I mean, right from the, the Cougars had a nice lead on them in the first half of the West Coast final, but I don't think it was literally by the first media timeout. They were down double digits, and so they didn't know how to respond, and they just didn't have it going on, and they played. A, they didn't play well enough. So you got to credit Baylor. To me, it's all about Baylor. And you can argue for the Gonzaga aspect, as you said. And yeah, there's something to be said for there because a lot of emotion was expend, uh, expended, and they had to come back in a short amount of time to get it going. And obviously, you couldn't. Really impressed with uh, Baylor's rebounding. I mean, they did a lot of things well to win the game. So I guess you can pick any one of them that impressed you. But to me. They just came out on fire. They weren't shooting it that well early on, but they got second shots. They got third shots, and the defense isn't over until you have the rebound. And Gonzaga could not get the rebound, and that that powered Baylor for a big chunk of that game, certainly in that early run when they blew the game open early. Okay, sure. I can buy that. All right, other news, uh, Utah State has a coach. They hire Ryan Odom. He had been at Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC. The only 16 to beat a one, and he coached them past Virginia in the 2018 NCAA tournament. He had been there five years. So he is the Aggies' new head coach. 
You going to wait and see how he does, PK? I know of no other way to view it. Uh, <laughs> right? It's, uh, found it to, you know, that that's the big thing. I mean, he's the son of Dave Odom, and my father was a janitor, so I never had any chance to, to make it big anywhere uh, unless I carved my own way. He's, I'm sure he may be an excellent coach, but when the doors open, you don't have to open it. You just got to walk through it, and good for him that he did and keep the money. My mother used to say money loves money. And uh, so you're going on some, every time you mention him, oh, he was the one who had the 16-1 upset. upset. We're getting way past that now. Uh, It's got to be more than one game. And Hartwell has no interest in hiring anybody local, that's for sure, because he hired Blake Anderson out of Jonesboro, Arkansas. And then you can't go any more east to hire the basketball coach. But he comes in and he'll put together a, an excellent staff and he's going to hit the ground running. They're going to play an aggressive style of basketball that the fans will love and they're going to recruit everywhere to bring in the best student athletes who can represent Logan the best possible way. And I haven't heard him say a word, but that's probably what he's going to say because everybody says the same thing. That sounds pretty much like every <laughs> press conference we've ever heard. I mean, they ran the clip from the Baylor press conference. who we are here to win NCAA tournament games. We've got a chance to win it all. So he called his shot. Yeah, that was 18 many, years ago, though, wasn't it? It was 18 years ago, yes. <laughs> and how many coaches have said that and then never won? But you don't play their clips. We're coming in here. We're probably going to get our butts kicked. But I got a five-year deal. I'll be out in three, but I'll collect the guaranteed money. I mean, lots of people could call their shot. You're just not supposed to say that at the press conference. Taylor and his brother coaches at Grand Canyon, so I feel like I have a personal connection. Texas Tech promoted Chris Beard's top assistant, Mark Adams, to take over their head coaching job in North Carolina. Gave Hubert Davis, longtime assistant coach, the head coaching job. He'll be running the show for the Tar Heels. He's been on Roy Williams' staff for nine years, and he played at UNC in the late 80s and early 90s. He's a really good player then. Yeah, we need the nephew of Walter Davis, something like that. It's all fuzzy. I believe you're right. The but Greyhound? The Greyhound. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Scott, did you come up with the correct response? Who wanted to kick that field goal? That is a great question. Should be, should be, should be correct, but uh, unfortunately for this uh, this game today, that's incorrect, and you're going to lose zero. That's uh, Aaron Rodgers guest hosting on Jeopardy. And if you don't know the correct question when you hear the final answer in Jeopardy, then you just go with this so you make sure that you're on uh, YouTube and all the uh, compilation videos forever. You don't get the money, but you know you get the fame for whatever that's worth. New York Jets made the big trade. Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers for three draft picks. Now... Here, of course, the big story would be, well, they're they're just handing the job to Zach Wilson. There will be no there will be no competition. They can take that number two pick, use it on a quarterback, hand him the job, and make Zach the guy. From the Carolina angle, man, they, they just they just brought in Bridgewater for big money, and now you're giving up three draft picks. What are you doing? Not satisfied, I guess, after one year, so see if Darnold is the answer. 
A little surprised by that, PK? That the Panthers were in the market for a quarterback? I thought they'd uh, put all the chips on Bridgewater. Apparently not. I don't follow the Panthers enough to know what they're thinking as far as Bridgewater goes. Uh, Darnold is, is still a young, developing quarterback. I think he's going to be good in the league. So they obviously think so. They gave up, what, as you say, three draft picks. Yeah. Of, what was it like a sixth round and a second and third or something like that? And so, you know, picks, picks matter in the NFL. And not so much like the NBA where you give a second-round pick and chances of having somebody make a significant difference in the second round are pretty slim. Because in football, free agents can, uh, undrafted guys can make a big difference. So picks matter. So from that perspective, sure, yeah. But I think this is about the, I don't really care about the Panthers. On, I think the bigger story is that the uh, Jets are locked in on Zach Wilson. He's going to go number two. And I think that is ab- absolutely awesome. That would be the highest draft pick out of BYU in BYU history. Our own Zach Wilson couldn't even get a scholarship offer from Utah. BYU wasn't exactly beating down the door to get him. I mean, they wanted Zadok Dinkelman. Is that not yet right, Yach? Your guy, Zadok Dinkelman. Hey, just for the all-name team alone, we wanted Zadok. Was on board before Zach Wilson. That time, Detmer gets fired. He was in way over his head, and I know that hurts for Cougar fans because you love him dearly. And uh, what well, Cougar fans come up with more excuses as to why Ty Detmer didn't make it as a coach, or why Jimmer Fredette didn't make it in the NBA. I mean, what, 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 which one hurts more? But nevertheless, they they get rid of those guys and uh, Detmer and his offensive staff. They bring in Fessy Sitaki and Aaron Roderick, who had relationships with Wilson when Wilson was growing up. And he goes to BYU, and wow, he takes off in his senior or junior year, I guess it was, and ends up being the number two pick in the NFL draft. That's a that's an awesome story. So Steve Young was the number one pick. Wilson will be the second highest Cougar drafted. Oh, you Steve want to count the USFL? Number two. USFL. Oh, come on! Talking about supplemental draft. Eh. The NFL draft is he will go number two. It's the highest nice draft pick. pick. They've only had a couple other top fives, and they were fives. Yeah, I mean, of you of all people, the USFL, Donald Trump owned the generals, and we know what you think of Donald Trump. <laughs> Do you miss him now, DJ? <laughs> Terribly. <laughs> My Twitter feed isn't the same. So I guess the question then is, uh, will Wilson uh, be the rare rookie quarterback who looks great, or will we have a debate here in the fall? Well, he's going to get better, give him time, and then it goes down the Jimmer Fredette, uh, Alex Smith path. Hey, he's had too many offensive coordinators, or he's going to hit the ground early and end that debate. Is he going to be great as a rookie in the NFL? Is that what you're asking? Or is he going to be good enough to at least put that conversation on the back burner? Is he going to show? I think he'll show promise as a rookie. I've been a believer in Zach Wilson since guys that I know told me about him as a sophomore in high school, and I'm continuing to be one. So until he shows me otherwise, I'm going to believe that he's going to succeed. He's, I mean, they're not going to win two games in the NFL. It's not like the next season, all of a sudden you're going to go 14-2. and two. But can he show enough promise? Can he show as much promise as Tui Tagovailoa did? I think the answer is yes. Another civil lawsuit filed against Houston Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, bringing the total to 22. The latest suit comes on the heels of the Houston Police Department investigating a complaint against Watson. 
right, DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Kansas hires Northwestern Deputy AD Travis Goff as their new athletic director. Goff's a Kansas native. He's a KU grad. He's going to have to find a new football coach for the Jayhawks. Les Miles fired. Former AD Jeff Long resigned last month. They'll have to deal with potential NCAA sanctions for the men's basketball program after it was hit with five level one infractions tied to recruiting, although the basketball coach now has a lifetime deal, so there's that. So, well, you're an AD at least, and you're getting paid like an AD, so that's a win, but there's some heavy lifting to be done. Uh, yeah, but you're not going to be blamed for any of it. You're not going to hire a football coach who's going to matter. I mean, they've sucked in football forever. It's all about basketball. And so then they'll just, he, he won't be responsible for any of these violations. So he'll Clean get it a up. grace period there and, and self See if you can uh, self-police. <laughs> Feels like a newspaper headline somewhere in there. See, newspaper? Could you define that? <laughs> you used to be in the slot, making sure the paper got out. Making sure there were I'm clever... glad I got out. Yeah, right? <laughs> making sure there were clever headlines everywhere. That got credited to other people on the staff. Absolutely. Good job, Mike. <laughs> You're the man. Well, things I will never forget. I got a long <laughs> list, actually. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. And Urania's pitch, a swing at a line drive, left field. That is deep. Back it goes. Deep. It goes and gone. Nets fair. That's a grand slam. Tenth career slam for Nelson Cruz. Six nothing twins. High fly ball. Deep left field. Oh. 27 does it again. Mike Trout now 24 career home runs against the Astros. Garcia tried to get him out with a pitch in the strike zone. Trout says, "Uh, uh-uh, ain't happening." 2-2, swing and a miss. Had him out in front. Di Sclafani, good job taking something off. And now Tatis is down on his knees in front of home plate. Jace Tingler and a member of the athletic training staff come running out of the dugout. And Fernando directly in front of home plate on both knees, maybe holding his hand, perhaps that left shoulder that occasionally gives him some trouble and issue. Hard to tell from here, but he certainly appears to be in a a great deal of discomfort. That's Padre star Fernando Tatis Jr. A shoulder supplexation. Swing. He swung and his shoulder popped out. His arm popped out of his shoulder, basically. Uh, he struck out. Uh, the Padres lost to the Giants 3-2. to two. He's going to have an MRI today as they try to figure out how serious this is. It's a partial dislocation of the joint, and he's had this a couple other times this spring. They hadn't really talked about it before that, but apparently it's been going on for a while, but it's been more obvious this spring. So, And it was obvious when he swung and missed and hurt his shoulder. Yeah, I've seen this injury happen before. I saw it at the high school level when I was coaching. You remember it vividly, the kid going down. How long were they out for? Oh, boy, I'm trying to remember. I'd say probably, uh, this is a long time ago, uh, uh, two or three weeks. Yeah. All right, well, we'll keep our eye on Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, they, they've spent a lot of money, so they have a better team around him. The, the last couple of years, their record has been markedly different when he's in the lineup or out. See if they have more talent around them and can 
keep it rolling now. It's like something they win like some like 40 percentish of their games when he's out, and I think high 50s, almost 60 when he's when he's played, something like that. So it's a pretty been a pretty significant difference for a position player. It's a little surprising, but fans never forget PK. You talk about never forgetting your slights. The Angels beat the Astros 7-6. We heard the Mike Trout highlights in there. Two trash cans tossed on the field in Anaheim. One real, one inflatable. Fans want to get their say in on the Astros. So they're getting it now. Fans are back, and the Astros are going to hear it. Yeah, I saw that. I got the free preview for another night in baseball. So flicking around, watching these games. Got the one station, and they put all the games on on the direct. These little boxes. So I can see how you got the inflatable one in, but how'd you get the real one in? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Is just it, trying to figure out how a guy's walking down the steps with a trash can, and the security's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. Yeah, unless they, he found one inside the stadium, stadium or they right. looked the other way. That's something. Uh, yeah, the inflatable one you can see, and they blow it up, obviously, chuck it over, and it was on the warning track. But uh, the real one... Either they had access to one inside the stadium or somebody yeah. had a bright idea and like, I know Bob, Bob works uh, security at uh, Gate uh, C. Let's go over to Gate C. Bob will wave us in. And my guess is uh, usually in the men's room, they've got some form of a, maybe they had uh, an old, uh, the original like metal ones. And so you took that out and chucked. You can, I can see that happening, particularly yeah. with the uh, reduced capacity. So there's not as many people to see and all that stuff. And, Away you go. Well, the Astros get their first loss, so that leaves the Philadelphia Phillies at 4-0, and the other undefeated team would be the Washington Nationals, who haven't played a game yet. Yeah, it's funny with the Phillies. Jacob DeGrom, he is such a stud. He's like the LeBron James of uh, pitching for the Mets. He goes six innings. I think he only gave up two hits. He actually had two hits at bat. Strikes out seven. But when and he, he came he's out, wicked. He is. He has nasty, nasty stuff. And he came out, as you say, the Mets go to town. Boom! Put up a five spot. Or not the Mets, the Phillies. Phillies win it five three. Uh, now at the other end, you know who doesn't have a win yet? Okay, obviously the Nationals because they haven't played. But the Oakland Athletics are now off to an zero and five start. The Braves are zero and three. The Athletics got pounded by the Dodgers ten to three. Dodgers take over the top spot in the West. They're all alone at 4-1 and one now. They had shared that top spot, but they're all alone. And Oakland digging an early hole, PK, 0-5 and minus 33 in run differential. That's, that's spectacular. They're not even losing close games here. Yeah, and Yach, who's hitting 529 for the Dodgers? Your boy. Corey Seager. You made a prediction last week, DJ. Did you, did you hear it? I did not. <laughs> Corey Seager is going to hit 529 this year. Was that the prediction? No. He's going to be the uh, NL MVP. Oh, okay. No. Not a bad prediction so far. There we go. Least. 529 tearing up. Cubs got uh, three homers. I think they got them all in the same inning, didn't they? Beat the Brewers 5-3. to three. Go gone, Cubbies. Gone, gone, gone. Yeah. Uh, 2021 All-Star game that was moved out of Atlanta. They are going to play it in Denver. Second time the Midsummer Classic has been in Denver. They were there back in '98 when Coors Field opened, and they are coming back. What is trending? Brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There is no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801 295 1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. All right, coming up, we got uh, Kyle Whittingham, Fred Whittingham. 
Brant Keithy and Dalton Kincaid. We'll be talking youth football at 8 o'clock. We'll get you Kyle Winningham and then try to track those other guys too down depending on uh, when they come out and how that falls. But definitely hear from Kyle coming up at 8 o'clock. And we got a Masters preview with Bob Casper from Real Golf Radio. That's coming up at 9.05. Coming up next, we've got to talk. Uh, we got a lot of, a lot of debate already on the Facebook page overnight. What went wrong for Gonzaga in that title game? And for the Jazz, how concerned should you be? How much did that stress you out? The Jazz beating all the teams that are you know, mostly going to miss the playoffs or maybe get into the, the play-in games. But Dallas Mavericks... A little better test, even though they may end up in that playoff series as well. And they beat the Jazz, and here come the Suns. And uh, was that just a a one-shot deal there? And they missed shots and big deal. Are you a little more worried about it? We will get to that next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For us to only lose that game by eight says a lot of just about the will. You know, we had, I went 0 of 8. Royce went 0 of 8. William went a 3, like... The guys who typically make a bunch of threes, you know, we didn't. Uh, Mike was really keeping us in it. You know, I think the biggest thing is not to overreact. You know, sometimes it's not always going to go in. You know, there's going to be nights like this, and they came out ready to go, and they came out locked in. Give them credit, too. Hot Takes Toast brought to you by Jerry Signer Cadillac. Check out the bold new lineup at Jerry Signer Cadillac. It's definitely not your grandpa's Cadillac. All right, there was Donovan Mitchell, his take on the Jazz and the Mavericks, and the Mavericks ending the Jazz nine-game winning streak. Was it just one of those games? And for the most part, PK, it looks like Jazz fans are saying it was just one of those games. There is not a lot of wailing. There's not a lot of gnashing of teeth. Brian says winning streak's hard to do in the NBA. The Jazz has spoiled us with three of them this year. It's pretty normal to lose occasionally. Brian's not worried about it. Well, I'm not worried about it. Do you realize they still have a six-and-a-half game lead over Denver in the Northwest Division? <laughs> Things we never talk about, ever. <laughs> the public doesn't bring up with us. Who even looks at division standings? Well, i just seen it, so uh, that's uh, caught my eye there when I opened up the box score and hit, so I could have it in front of me to be, uh, to be able to re- reference it at the fingertips, and I saw, yeah, they got a six-and-a-half lead, man. They're gonna, they're gonna, they used to put up banners when you win the division. Who even looks at the division standings? Me. And if it matters to me, then it matters, right? If it matters to you, it's a big deal. They got a six-and-a-half game lead with 22 to go. Six-and-a-half, actually. I think they can hold on. Clinch the division. Gets, in baseball, you have champagne. All right, there it is. <laughs> Wild, crazy locker room celebration. Spent a lot of it. No, that's not going to happen. Not happening. But you are correct. It is a, it is a six and a half game lead in the division. <laughs> they just they don't reward division winners with anything anymore. So what's the point of following it? It used to be you were guaranteed a minimum seed or something like that. And 
Since the Jazz have the best record in the NBA, nobody's really concerned about well, that. Why did they hang a banner? You're questioning Jazz. Uh... Back in the day, they gave you something for it. They're, they're what? You were guaranteed a minimum seed. And also, I think when they were hanging banners, weren't there four divisions? Were they still hanging banners when there were six? I lost track. I know they were hanging them when there was four. If if it doesn't matter, they wouldn't have divisions. So, <laughs> on you. <laughs> wow, that hurt my feelings. They still have divisions. What do you want from me? If it's meaningless, get rid of it. It's like one of these archaic laws on the books, right? We're going to clean it up in this session. Get rid of divisions. I think that when you have a combination of miserable three-point shooting and hot with the Mavericks shot about 47%. Then you know what's going to happen. And the great thing about this is the the reason why I'm not sweating it, barely sweating it, is that if, say, they're to play the Mavericks or any team, whatever, and the differential is a 20 percentage point difference between you and the other team and you're on the wrong end of that you're probably going to lose that's a significant difference in three-point shooting where the other team shoots 47 percent and you shoot 27 percent the thing that doesn't alarm me that you're probably going to lose that more often than not but in a seven game series how many times is that going to happen it would have to happen four times and it's probably not going to happen four times and I think that you can really boil it down. Three guys who usually get it done for the Jazz really couldn't get it done at all. Mitchell's not going to go for eight that often. Royce O'Neal, 0 for 8. I mean, he doesn't usually take threes. Credit to him for taking them. He had so many good looks. I mean, they were the shot you want, and they didn't go in. And, and Clarkson, 2 for 9. And he has had two for nines. That's not as outrageous. But for those three guys all to do that at the same time and be a combined two for 25, of course you're going to lose. And I thought they were doing all the other stuff right until late in the third quarter. Late in the third, you know, eventually you miss enough shots and does it impact your energy level or your concentration or you haven't scored enough points to cover up mistakes that maybe you make in other games but they're just not as noticeable because you're hitting threes all the time. And that's when it really showed up at the end of the third quarter. It was an eight-point game late in the third quarter, and they were shooting the three terribly. And I guess I don't go to the Mavericks making the three as much because, to me, what's more unlikely, that those three guys are all cold at the same time or the Mavs shoot 47%. I haven't looked up how often the Mavs shoot it, but I'm sure they've had a bunch of other nights this year where they've shot in the mid to high 40s. I don't and know other teams credit, are going to do that. I don't know that I credit O'Neal. For taking eight threes. Do I really want him taking eight threes in a game? If he's that open. And- uh, yeah, well, not if he goes 0 for 8. I don't. I don't <laughs> care if there's nobody out on the floor. I don't. That's not how he got in the league. So you are who you are. I don't know that that's who Royce O'Neal is. So if I'm the other team and I'm picking who I want to shoot the threes on the Jazz, you're, Royce, you're not, here's you're, the ball, buddy. You're picking Royce. You're not picking Mitchell, and you're not picking, picking and, Clarkson. And Clarkson is not a good three-point shooter. He's a mediocre three-point shooter. His numbers have been bouncing around in the mid-30s. Yeah, I mean, he's. you look at his career, uh, he's at one time in a short stint with uh, Cleveland, uh, he shot 40%. Other than that, he's in the 30s and even some in the low 30s. 
So I'm not sure I really want him firing it up. The, the thing that I would say is if you're not hitting, if you're 0 for 7 and you're Royce O'Neal, do I really want you to go 0 for 8? I guess in the game you're going to lose anyway, uh, it doesn't much matter. But, you know, I wouldn't mind doing like uh, Bogdanovich. Bogdanovich knows he's not hitting from three. So what he's doing now is trying to score in other ways. Like he only took three three-point shots. Mm-hmm. He's one for three. Yep. But he was seven for 14. He found ways to score. And it's clear that he's trying to use his size advantage and is just a skill that he has. He's obviously a, a prolifically skilled offensive player. And so he's trying to take care of the ball more and make sure it's not getting stripped. Uh, he had zero turnovers, it seemed like, a while there. Every time he drove to the hoop, I don't know if the ball was getting too wide from away from his body or whatever it is. I'm sure they figured it out. And uh, he took care of that. Now he's finding the way, ways to score down low. So I would sort of say, if you're 0 for 7, maybe you might want to think twice about going in. What, what are the chances of you going 1 for 8 versus 0 for 8? Mitchell, eh, fire away. Do whatever you think you should be doing in that moment. Royce, is uh, even with that 0 for 8, that dropped him just a little under 39% from this year. That's a pretty good number. Not a great number, but it's still, that's still pretty good. Clarkson's at 35% for the season, which is down from last year. He was 36.5% last year for the Jazz, so it's taking a hit. But you're right about Bogey. I mean, they've run post-ups for him, and he'll just drive and sometimes drive and dish. You should mostly drive and looking to score, but sometimes he'll eyes out and all that stuff and, uh, and make the pass. He's definitely – and Clarkson looks to drive quite a bit. Yeah, and, and Clarkson has other ways of scoring. I think that Clarkson, for me, and I don't have any stats, and I'm not a big basketball mind. I just go with what I feel, and I'm, I'm a fan who somehow got a radio gig. Uh, Clarkson, I think with him taking those threes, it opens up his ability to score other ways. So if he should miss – well, it's going to give him opportunities because people are going to have to get on top of him and guard him out there, whereas O'Neal, he's rarely guarded, and O'Neal's rarely putting the ball on the floor and going to the basket. Uh, Clarkson can do that, and he's the one guy that can dribble 22 seconds out of the 24 and find a way to score. So I can live with his misses, as long as they're good shots and not just tightly contested giveaway possessions that have very little chance to go in. That bothers me when it comes to that situation. But if they're good three-point shots, fire them up uh, because they're going to guard you, and that's going to open up opportunities for you then to use your creative way and your strength to get inside and find ways to he, – man, he, sometimes he makes your eyeballs dizzy with all the movement and herky-jerky stuff that he has and finds a way to get his shot off. And so I can live with his three-point misses because I think it helps his game and that the defense has to honor it. I don't know that you have to honor O'Neal to that level. So I'm not sure I really want him going, putting up, unless he's hot. If he's feeling it, so be it. But at no point was he feeling it. Jay says, the problem with this loss is it gives everyone something to talk about. Quote, yeah, they can demolish the bad teams, but then look what happens when they play a good team. Close quote. Just another thing for the haters to judge us on. It's not college football. It doesn't matter what the haters think. Yeah, but it's uh, you worry about people's perception. I mean, when I hear I don't care what fill-in-the-blank thinks, I think, well, then why would you tell me? 
if you don't care about it, you things that I don't care about, I don't even talk about. <laughs> so I think, and I don't, I'm not saying that the players care about it. I think the fans care about it. The fans and, do care about it. I'm yeah. not going to debate that. The fans do care about that. We've heard about it so much, they absolutely care about it. And I think the players, especially today's players, with the access right at their fingertips, they're aware of so much more. I mean, that's why you have Kevin Durant getting into it mm-hmm. with some comedian dude and using language that other people get suspended by, and he just gets a fine, and you just oh, don't do it again, Kevin. Okay, thanks. Other guys get suspended for a week, but you know, it depends on who's saying what they're saying is the penalty these days. It's the world in which we live in. But they have that access right there. So, and I'm sure if people say negative things, it it gets to you. Now, what do you do? How do you respond when it gets to you? It's up to you. Uh, but I think they're aware of it. And so uh, if, they, if they should lose to Phoenix and Portland, yeah, then it's going to grow. Without question, and especially that Phoenix game, because they've got the two best records, and it's going to be on ESPN. So, and and if the Suns win, they'll move within a game and a half. They will have won two out of three, and they'll have the tiebreaker. Uh, so there'll be all all kinds of things to say if they lose that game. Good. Let them get the Lakers in the second round. Oh, assume, you're assuming the Lakers are going to finish in the four <laughs> five spot now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't tell you because I don't know when the studs are coming yeah. back. So it's impossible. But it's something to keep an eye on. What I'm saying, the point I'm making, is possibly finishing second may not be the worst thing. It might be uh, if the yeah. Lakers get healthy and you get them back. But we don't know that. I mean, I'd say there's probably as good a chance as them finishing fourth as it is sixth right now, uh, depending. Mm-hmm. Basically, the Lakers will finish what they want to and what health allows them to finish. And I don't think they care. I don't think they feel like the second round, oh, we got to get the Jazz or we got to get Phoenix. I don't think that's even a line of thinking for them. I LeBron think wants to be healthy, and he wants yeah. AD healthy. And after so that, he'll take his chances with anything else. But if he's got a wish list of what he wants, number one, I want to be healthy. Number two, I want that guy healthy. After that, it's all gravy. Lakers right now are a half game behind fourth place Denver and a half game in front of sixth place Portland. So right. anything could happen, clearly. And we I'm don't just know trying to look at a silver lining if you, if you should lose. Uh, but uh, and that, that's stretching it. Uh, because, yeah, you, you know, you're playing better teams, and so you're going to be judged by that. And that's uh, it's an interesting week, as you pointed out yesterday. And right now, they... They bombed the first test, and there's still – great thing about it is even if they bomb this week, there's next week and the week after, and the playoffs are the final. These are just quizzes along the way and keeping it with the school vernacular. And I come from a long line of educators, and I do have my teaching credential from Grand Canyon. It was a college. Now it's a university. I mean, it's grown up since I've been there. And well, I'm really matter, interested to see how the Lakers finish in the Pacific Division race. I'm following that closely. So. That was a big deal when I was a kid, so you can <laughs> scoff at my childhood memories all you want. DJ and PK, <laughs> Gonzaga, what happened? Got a long list of explanations slash excuses. We'll get to them next. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Kyle Whittingham in 20 minutes. Now let's get this party started. 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Tim Lacombe, when you have that freight train running and it just seems like every night you're getting double-digit victories or you're having double-digit leads, does it just kind of feed off each other and it just keeps rolling like that sometimes? The thing that I constantly think about is how consistently good you've got to be to do what they're doing. At the end of the day, they're going to be as good as Donovan and Rudy Takeham. I think that that's fair to say because those two guys are playing at an elite level. But what comes out of this more than anything to be is just how consistently good this team's been. They really haven't had you know crazy slides, but they did out of the gate and they did after the All-Star break. But when they've been able to play as a team and get in a rhythm, you know, great things have happened. Hopefully the Jazz can hit that last seam without any kind of interruption and they can continue to play the way they're playing. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ PK brought to you in part by Mark Miller's Subaru. DJ PK in the morning. Mark Miller and Mark Miller Subaru bringing you the show today. All right, PK, what in the world happened to Gonzaga? Undefeated to completely dominated. Explain away Gonzaga's miserable performance. Uh, let's see. They played their worst basketball while they were playing the best team on their schedule. And that team was focused and giving them nothing. There. Done. Well, yeah, I don't know if that's true, though, because in theory, but you have to question how good is Gonzaga because their last two games, you know, one would, took a bank shot. We know how they won that one. Suggs is a stud. I, he did nothing to show me that uh, any to think of anything different. I love the fact that he was crying at the end because that means he cares. I never understood how his tears were a sign of weakness. I backed John Beck years ago. When he, when he cried and said that would ruin his weekend and somehow people thought that was a failure on his part. Now, to me, that just means you're all in. I mean, I lo- and I would, if I'm an NBA GM, depending on what my needs are and where I'm sl- slotted in the draft, I would love to get my hands on Suggs. But you look at the last two games there, I mean, I could argue that those are the best teams that they played and one, they needed overtime and a bank shot and the other, they basically got run off the floor. So is it the, is it fair to ask? Well, just how good is Gonzaga? Well, I guess if the assumption was that they were going to be undefeated national champions, which was plenty of people's assumption, yeah. then yeah, you can go ahead and debate that. I think they played a dozen. I'd have to go back and check their schedule, but I think they played exactly a dozen NCAA tournament teams this year, and they went eleven and one. So I think Gonzaga is really, really good. But I do think they've had stretches. You know, there were a couple conference games, and I have to go back and look it up to see which ones they were, where, you know, the game was even after 15 minutes or 10 minutes or whatever, and Gonzaga wasn't playing great. But in those games, Gonzaga had a massive talent advantage, and the other team wasn't good enough to, to get them. Now, you know, Baylor plays in a better league. Baylor lost a couple of conference games. Well, they lost one in conference and one in the conference tournament. Uh, and so when they had games where they weren't quite as good, they got beat. So... I don't think there's any question Gonzaga's really good. They're not undefeated champs, and they did not play well, and Baylor's very good, and Baylor, I mean, they were ready. They came out and they came out ready to go from the opening minute. They didn't need to ease into the game, and it looked like Gonzaga either needed to or wanted to, and Baylor was giving them none of that. I mean, the way they went in offensive rebounded early in the game was very impressive. Yeah, they got blitzed. Yes, they did. All right, DJ PK, going to take a break. When we come back, Kyle Whittingham. We'll hear from the Utes. Spring football continues on the Hill. Kyle's next. Stay with us.